Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in the safe house, on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times, and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hello, listener. Our listeners, you keep changing it up, man. When are you going to yeah. decide on the right thing? You know what is? Well, trying to keep them guessing. You know, we 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 talked about how you know as you're listening to something on demand, it's really just one listener. But I, but on the other hand, I, I like the idea of the troubled nation. We're a community. You know, it's it's not whenever we're listening, we're all kind of listening together. We're listening to the same thing. So that's why I've gone back to listeners. Okay. Well, I'm glad you explained that because. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm easily confused. Right, right. Well, as as we all are. You know, but uh, how are you? I'm I'm fine. But why, to begin with, did you go with listener? Well, because I, I was reading somewhere, someone in, in the in the podcast game was talking about how you know you want to address the 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 person individually because it's as if you're talking only to them. And so I gave that a shot for a while and then, but, but then I, you know, I figured, let me, let me try it and see, see how I feel. Is that like uh, people who think God is talking to them or, (laughs) or or Peter Finch in the movie network where he heard a voice that someone was talking to him? Well, you know, uh, radio or podcasts are an intimate experience. You know, it's going right into your ear. Um, Like, you know, the podcasts I listen to uh, it's, it's, they're different, you know, but often it's a, a group of people and they have a certain rapport, you know, like this. So even though, uh, you know, the listener can't, can't, uh, can't what podcast do you listen to? I listen to a bunch of different ones, man. Oh, I have yeah? a whole, a whole, whole list of them. Yeah. I listen to some history podcasts. I listen to some, uh, comedians not doing comedy, but just kind of talking about process and the, you know, the comedy game. Uh, it's, uh, I have a, I have a, a bunch of different ones. It's they're often personality driven, but uh, sometimes it's content driven. You know, like this uh, hardcore history, Dan Carlin's hardcore history. That's a great one. So it's hardcore history. Does that mean it's like porno? Well, it's it's not that hard, but <laughs> no. uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's it's serious history. But if it's like it's hardcore to where uh, if you want to hear twenty hours on the Mongol Empire, that's that's the place to go. Very erotic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you think <laughs> history is just someone's story? I mean, what is the truth about history? Well, history is the story of the victors. Generally, you know, it's that's that's who gets to uh, to write the history is 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 the victors. And you know, like we know a lot about uh, about uh, Caesar, for instance. He's a big famous guy. One of the main reasons because Caesar wrote so much about himself. He was a huge chronicler of of his exploits, and and so. You know, we have it, not only do we have what he did, but we have what he did written in the most flattering light to him. So history. Right, but wasn't Caesar like a gay gangbanger? Wasn't he gay and gangbang a lot? One can only hope. That sounds nice. Yeah. I don't know about his personal life. He was a powerful individual. That's for sure, man. Uh, Definitely, uh, you know, changed history in many, many ways. But he never made the salad. The salad was invented in Tijuana. Huh. Okay. You know that. Well, you know that's that's history that people should know that the Caesar okay. salad was invented in Tijuana, Mexico in a restaurant just south of the border from San Diego. People don't know that, but it's true. And I've been to this really? restaurant. 
All right. Well, now they do. Now we're, we're, we're yeah. uh, you know, you're schooling them up, man. Yeah, and it's good. Because he was too busy fisting young boys to make a salad. Well, I you don't know. know. You spent a lot of time in the battlefield, but uh, I'm not sure what he was doing there at uh, in, in the tent at night. So we, we can only well, speculate. Well, maybe these podcasts will shed light that you listen to on this. Perhaps, perhaps. Because you know? I don't listen to any podcasts. I, I, I just don't. I have no. Including this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't listen to this one either. <laughs> <laughs> sure, well, you hear it the first time around. He's not listening right, right, right now. Right. We can tell. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I, I have. A, I, I'm trying to catch up on our own podcast, and I, I actually listened uh, for about a half hour of one of our podcasts. With um, this is how far behind I am. It was with Doug Belote. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, that was uh, that was before the uh, before the the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. That's so uh, <laughs> that's going back a couple of years. Wow, you know, almost yeah. exactly a couple of years from now. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, there's there's plenty of time, man. There's there's no rush. They're not going anywhere. Well, uh, I can actually hear it in our voices that I, something I, I made note of is that it feels like the the malaise is lifting. You know, we a couple of weeks ago I was talking about uh, you know just. Uh, looking out into the troubled nation people were very troubled you know they were they were just in that that post okay first slump. of all let me stop you what the hell does malaise mean well you know it's a, a malaise <laughs> it's a you know a sort of a group depression well, um, why don't you, know, you just uh, say uh, that why do you have to use fancy words just say depression well, I, I, I like the way melee sounds, you know, it's, that's, uh, I remember Jimmy Carter came on television, uh, during the, the, the height of his, uh, you know, the, his uh, melee inflation and his, the, yes. And he talked about the, the, the famous speech about, uh, you know, the melees, everybody's so bummed out anyway, it feels like it's lifting. Uh, you know, we, we seem to be climbing our way out of the, of that depression. So, uh, that's, that's, that's nice. It's, uh, it's, it's easier to move on. I'm getting a lot of stuff done. I noticed uh, people that I'm engaging with in the business community or, you know, the telephone, they, they, they seem to have a, you know, a little bit of a spark making progress. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, <laughs> if you think so. I got stalled out on the. The telephone cut. Co- you've been talking to the telephone company a lot. Is yeah, that what, what was that about? Yeah, you're talking on the telephone. Dealing with energy, dealing with surgeon water board, you know, uh, different th- this and that, you know, cable company going back, uh, renegotiating rates. And, and they've uh, been part of the melees. Wait, this is how you keep your finger on the pulse of the... Well, no, then I see I see people on social media, okay. what they're writing about. I s- see people in, you know, in the streets that I deal with. And, uh, you know, I get a general impression. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a broad brush I'm drawing with, of course. But uh, So you feel that the depression is lifting? Yes, it feels like uh, people are getting back in the swing of things, and uh, you know. Well, the swing of things for this city is murder and lots of murder and crime and carjackings. So I think, yeah, yeah. Currently, that's that that is going on. That's that's not helping with the uh, that 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 would be contributing to the melees. But and that is terrible, man. I don't know what we're going to do here, but. Uh, well, I'm going to move. Are you? I'm thinking of it. If if I could hit a num- if, if I could hit a number I'd move today but I can't hit that number. I mean it's gotten right, right. it's gotten so bad that uh, uptown moms are making magnets that say please don't carjack me because I have a baby on board. You know, yeah. I, you know, that to me is so depressing. 
Yeah. What's more depressing is that all cars are made of plastic now. So if they make magnets, they can't stick it on their cars. Well, yeah, they they could stick for a while unless it rains, you know. Uh, I, I I have car magnets all over my car, and they they seem to to stay on fine. But yeah, it's get crazy going nuts, man. Uh, the crime, and 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 the murder, and the murder of young kids like six months old or two years old who just happened to be in the car while their mama or daddy are, you know, part of a violent scene. It, it's crazy going nuts. And, and uh, you know, in, in fact, uh, you think about, you talk about the depression lifting and all that and things kind of trying to get back to a normal thing. Um, I, uh, I went and tried to buy some shoes on Saturday hmm. and um, the shoe shop near where I live they didn't have my size. So they said our store in the French Quarter has your size. And I was like, well, I don't want to go there because I might get shot or killed, you know, or raped or spat on and shat on, you know. So, but on that very next day, my wife convinced me to go down to the French Quarter to get this pair of shoes, which I needed. And... It looked to me, uh, the French Quarter, we were there on a Sunday morning around 11.30 a.m., mm -hmm. and it reminded me of old times. It stunk of shit and urine, okay. and there was just uh, calamity and chaos going on everywhere you looked. We got to the shoe store, <laughs> and they didn't have my size either, oh, even geez. though I was told they had my size. Well, do you know what size it is that you need? Yeah, a 40E, yeah. 40E? Oh, okay, it's European sizes. Yeah. Uh, well, you could probably order that if you'd know for sure the model and well, the Well, I did order it. Okay. And then uh, they said it would be delivered between 7 and 28 days. Wow, well, I have, okay, that's, that's a pretty wide window. Well, because that's just the way it is. You know, right, right. You know, everything's moving slower. Yeah, everything's slow. There's people have quit their jobs. There are no people. There are so many truckers that have quit their jobs, and uh, so it's just the way it is. So I've been barefoot for the last week. Okay, so, it's it's kind of chilly outside. Yeah, for that too. I, I've been wearing like four pairs of socks. Well, you know, Manny, you're one of those people, and to your credit, I've never seen you with bare feet. And, and I don't want to, like, cause a, a lot of guys I know, you know, like, uh, I, I don't go out with bare feet either, but a lot of guys, you'll see them with sandals sometimes. Yeah, and, uh, I, that's not I, a I good look. That. That's not a good look for men. If you ask me. No, I agree. It's not agree. a good look for men and midgets. It's not a good look for midgets either. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure that, that they use that word anymore, but sure. Sure. What do you want to use? Dwarves, little people, little people. I think, you know, people. actually this came up, uh, this came up where uh, Peter Dinklage, you know, he's a, he's a famous little person actor that he was taking exception because, uh, Disney is planning on doing a, a live action remake of Snow White and the seven dwarves. And he was complaining, like, you know, how dare you? This is, you know, haven't we progressed to a certain degree? And I was talking with my family, and somebody said, man, you know, well, he's already made it, and so he, he doesn't need the role, but there's probably, you know, seven other little people that were, are really pissed off that they're not going to have those, uh, those opportunities. Well, he so, was casted as grumpy, but then he refused it. Okay, well, that's 
typecasting. Well, fuck him. You know, you know, <laughs> who cares about what he has to say? What, what has he done? He was in a show. What, what, I saw, I remember he was in that movie Elf where I thought he was pretty funny. Was he? Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was. In, oh, right, uh, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do remember Elf. that. Mm-hmm. You know, he should be glad he has a career as a little person because just like women in Hollywood, little people in Hollywood, their careers don't last that long. So he should just fucking shut up and be happy that he has a career. He's been the exception. Yeah, he's, he's no, uh, no, no, Billy Barty, right? Right. Or you know, yeah. I mean, what was his? What he was in that movie or that show, Game of Thrones, or something? I think so. I never saw any of that. I don't like that kind of stuff, so I don't watch it. You know, make 'em ups. Yeah, yeah, fantasy. Yeah, yeah dragons and all right, that bullshit right. and stuff like that. I don't deal. I can't stand any of that stuff. Yeah, I'm with you, Manny. So fuck him. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Peter Dinklage, if you're I'm out. glad we got someone with that, guys. Yeah. So, listeners, our listener, you know, you can agree to disagree with me, you know? Sure, uh, sure. As always. As always. Well, Manny, I, I saw another thing that I, I think you're probably aware of. Uh, you, you might have even posted about it, but we lost another great uh, Marty Roberts of uh, Marty and Elaine. You, you must have been familiar with that. I uh, did not that, know Marty died. Yes, just died. Uh, you know, spent uh, 40 years playing six nights a week at the Dresden Room yeah, in, in sure. uh, Los Feliz, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, Marty was a good friend of mine. I did not know he passed away. This is news yes. to me. Yeah, just last week. Oh, really? I did mm-hmm. not know that. How did you hear about this? I didn't know. I was in the news. I mean, you know, the, I, I saw it. He was 89 years old. Yeah. Played almost right up till the end. Well, you know what that means. Hmm. That means Elaine's available. Hey, yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. When when Lou Reed died, I I posted a thing of like, oh, I'm so sad to hear Lou Reed died, but that means Lori Anderson's available. Hello. <laughs> and someone someone wrote back of just like, I can't believe you would say this. This is completely inappropriate. Think of Lori Anderson at a time like this, and I was like. Motherfucker, I am thinking of Lori Anderson. Time. Come on. <laughs> right, right. Lou probably would have get, gotten a kick out oh, of that. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. my fondest memory of the Dresden Room and Marty and Elaine was back in like the mid to late 80s when um used to go there a lot. And Marty was the coolest guy. He was, he was just so cool. And he had that kind of big hair, kind of like a perm almost. And he had right. the, and they were teased up. Yeah. yeah and, and him and Elaine were kind of dressed alike with the satin and the silk. And she played the keyboards. He played the drums. And they would always invite someone. You know, there's always tons of actors and musicians there. And because it became such a hip spot. And right. my fondest memory was, is I guess it was like 1988 or something. I'm with a, a, a girl that I'm seeing. And we went out to dinner with my parents and my sister in that area. We went out to dinner. And after dinner, I was like, let's go to the Dresden Room. And my dad was like, the Dresden Room? Oh, I remember that joint. Sure. Because my dad was a radio singer in the 50s in L.A. Hmm, And he was also an opera singer back east and stuff like that. But he did a lot of radio when he moved west. And... I walk in with my parents, and I had already known Marty and Elaine for in Elaine for about a year, and they knew me by name, Manny, Manny Chevrolet, and mm-hmm. all that. 
And I walk in with my dad, and boom, Marty goes, Tommy, how you doing, baby? They knew each other. Because, <laughs> you know, my dad, Tomas, was like, Tommy. And they knew each other from way back in the day. I think even before Marty met Elaine. You know, okay. you know, I think my dad had known Elaine before Marty did. I have no idea. But mm. but it was beautiful scene and I was so happy, you know, because my dad, you know, my dad, uh, he was kind of a grouch in many ways and he always complained. I don't know where I get that from, but sure. <laughs> but um, my dad went up there and, and they sang a song together and stuff like that. And it was nice. it was it was a good memory. And also, anytime I'd go there, you know, uh, me and my buddy Ron would always buy Marty a drink or Elaine a drink. But they they weren't big drinkers, but we'd always you know tip them well. And yep. when it was always fun to like walk into the Dresden room, walk to the bar to order your drink, and the bartender says, "This is on Marty," you know. Mm. So that was always nice. kind of cool because he was an old crooner. I loved him. I, I'm sad to hear that. I did not know about this at all. Yep, yep. End of an era. So uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if they've still been performing the last few years. I'm, I'm sure they haven't. I have no idea. But yeah, probably not the last. I didn't really read uh, all the articles about it, so I'm not sure. But uh, but I did say that was. A, so what a was his last name? I don't even Roberts. Oh, Roberts. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Possibly not his real last name. But, yeah. Uh, but know. listen, before we get to our guest, uh, I uh, I don't know if you heard this, uh, um, but our our old friend Rutledge Dees is back in the news. Really? No, I didn't. You did not hear about this? <laughs> no. <laughs> you did not hear about this? No, but I'm not surprised because Rut Rutledge is uh is he's 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 uh he's got a lot of problems. Well, so. uh about a week ago it came out about a week ago that he moved his little scam, little little thing that he was doing here in order he moved it to Jeff Jefferson Parish. Hmm. Okay. So he was basically he got slapped on the hand here in Orleans Parish for doing what he did. Which was, if you can remind our listeners, he was uh, pretending to be uh, what a guy who needed nursing assistance. Oh, right, yeah, he was pretending to be handicapped or, or you know, impaired, and and he, uh, he'd hire these nurses or wannabe nurses, nurses in training, to come change his diapers. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and then wow. they found out they found out that this was a big scam. He was getting off on it. Right. Yeah. So he got he got he got busted here in Orleans Parish and got a little slap on the wrist because his lawyer said that you know he's not well. Which, yeah, that's that's easy to tell. He's not well. It's obvious. Yeah. Sure. Obvious. So fast forward, like, you know, he got a slap on the hand. He, he lays low for about a year. He's busted just like well, the story came out a week ago, but it, it happened at least over the holidays, I think, in Jefferson Parish. He set up shop there where he started doing the same thing. No. Holy cow, man. Uh, you know, the heart wants what it wants. No. That's, uh, you know, he wants, you know, young nurses in training to change his diaper, you know, even though he doesn't need a diaper. Right, right. Now he just, he just likes the whole, uh, whole exercise of it. Yeah. Well, I hope he gets some help. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I, I can't believe he didn't see that story. It was out of the news like last week, big time. Uh, yeah, no, I, I missed it. Uh, okay, well, he's back. He strikes again. 
Okay, all right. Well, some people just just can't stay out of the news. Well, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled to see how that uh, that case gets resolved. Yeah, I need to need to uh, keep closer eyes on that guy for sure. All right. Well, listen, I, I I have a few more things, but they can wait. Let's introduce our guests. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. She's a we have a terrific guest here. She literally was on the very first page of guests that I that I listed a couple of years ago, four years ago, and uh, you know she's she's uh, for whatever reason I'm, we're only now getting around to her, but she's uh, very adventurous as well as enigmatic, uh, multi instrumentalist. Uh, she's a saxophone player, clarinet player, accordion player, singer, composer. A band leader, she has her own group, uh, traditional jazz group, the Royal Roses, as well as a solo project, the Monocle, and a few other groups, Rory Danger and the Danger Dangers, as well as Saxadrone, which is one of my favorites. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, also plays with the Panorama Jazz Band, uh, Klezmer All Stars, a duo with Tom McDermott, on and on. She was uh, voted one of uh, Downbeat Magazine's top 10 rising stars on the She Sopranos sounds saxophone. like a show off, man. Jeez. Yeah, real oh, bragger no, no, there, she's, Renee. She's a, she's <laughs> yeah, a busy girl. But, uh, a, a, anyway, without further ado, the great Ms. Aurora Nealon. Welcome, Aurora. Thank you, guys. She's an Oscar, Emmy, Tony winner. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, My mother loves me. And she both. <laughs> yeah. And and her mother My mother <laughs> voted me in her top five children of the year. Right. I came in fifth. Yes, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay, well, uh, well, if 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 you want to, uh, you know, bring up your parents. Uh, so, so Laura, <laughs> I know you're you're not from New Orleans. Tell us uh, uh, where you are from, and 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 you know, give us some of your background, early childhood background. Oh, I was born in a cave with wolves. Um, <laughs> okay. Actually, that's not totally untrue. I was born in Northern California. In oh. Berkeley, Berkeley, California. My parents lived in a, a lot of caves in the Berkeley Hills. There's a lot. Yeah, of well, my my parents actually lived in a shack on the beach right next to Pacifica Pier, which is uh, on the Pacific Ocean. Um, and I was my my mother was a hippie, so it was supposed to be a home birth. So I was supposed to be born at home right there on on the beach, but the midwife was double booked. The day I came, so we drove to Berkeley, where I was birthed, and then came back to this little shack on the beach that they lived in. Okay, so you kind of grew up in that shack there for uh, lived there for a long the time. The shack washed away when I was three. There was a hmm. like a flood surge, a tidal surge. So there's these um, pictures of the house being out in the ocean. Um, so then my family moved to Colorado, higher land. Obviously, they wanted to move to higher land, so they. Moved to Colorado. Where you got a hut. Where we got a hut. You went from a shack to a hut. A shack to a hut, yeah. A little hut on White House Trail Drive in Evergreen, Colorado, until I was from like ages three to 10. And then we moved back to Northern California when I was 11-ish. Right, right in that same area, right right in, in a town called Moss Beach. Population 400 humans, probably like 800 seals. Okay, so you had kind of a rural upbringing, you would say? Yes, I would say. But your parents were kind of progressive, you say, hippies? Uh... Yeah, they're weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're kind of wing nut, my, particularly my mother. But uh, yeah, my, they both moved to San Francisco in the 1960s um, as like young, young humans. Okay, Summer of Love. 
a sort of. I think it was they moved there in '68 separately from each other. And that's when they joined the People's Temple. <laughs> they did. I don't know that they joined the People's Temple. Could be. My father was really into like the Owaspi and the Kabbalah, um, and he was also like a rock, kind of rock musician before he had. All right, so there are people of the 60s, they're hippies, but what are, their, are they Italian, they're French, English? What are they, Native American? My mother um, is East Coast Jewish, Eskenazi Jew, and my father is like German-Irish. Okay. I don't know. I would say like my mother's like Bostonian Jew. My mom's parents spoke Yiddish, so they they were like Polish, Lithuanian, very pale. My, all my family's very pale. Right, right. So, were you raised in a religious household at all, or no? no? I was raised in an anti-religious household. Okay, gotcha. Good for gotcha. you. Good for you. I guess it's not my choice. Uh, but my father was deeply into like Kabbalah mysticism, so I would say I was raised in like religion of plants. Okay, well, I, I read somewhere that, that you said uh, your family didn't believe in uh, Western medicine. So I was going to ask, was that, uh, what, was, what did you do instead? Was it, was it faith healing or herbs? or No, that, and it actually it's just my mother that doesn't believe in Western medicine. It was not like a unified family front. In fact, my, my oldest sister went straight into pharmaceuticals as a... Well, so did Manny and I, but uh, you know. you're a hop, skip, and a jump from Oakland, man. So you could probably yeah, get true. really good stuff. Great stuff. Uh, but no, my mother is a really fine, like, horticulturalist gardener, but she's also just, like, probably the most illogical person I have ever met. <laughs> For instance, she'll say things of, like, I just don't believe in the concept of money sometimes, even still today, you know? And you're like, that's fine, mom, but money believes in you. So. <laughs> we got to figure out how to pay your rent somehow, you know. Um, but, you know, if you broke a, if, for instance, I had, like, I remember having, like, my first cavity when I was around 10 or 11, like, experiencing deep tooth pain. And my mm -hmm. mother's solution was to drink milk because it would grow the tooth back. Oh, wow. Like, it's, <laughs> that, it's like she has a real particular sense of logic, you know. <laughs> Everything was like, if you hurt yourself, it was like, ginseng tea or peppermint tea or ginger tea see my mom would have said to snort glue that would see? have been her recipe <laughs> similar for that. Yeah. yeah similar ideas yeah, but that actually worked for two <laughs> <Yeah. things. laughs> that actually worked for two things it would take your mind off it anyway. yeah exactly. that sounds good we ate i ate a lot of play-doh i guess that's kind of similar Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. sneaking up on it. Oh yeah. But but uh, Aurora, I read also that uh, there's a uh, you come from a long line of performers, like your fifth generation performer or something. Is that on your dad's side? I don't know. Uh, someone else said that, and I don't know where that rumor comes from. Hmm. <laughs> frankly, because I your, did your parents uh, put you on the streets to perform for money? No, never. There oh, were okay. no there, there were no humans near where I was really. Okay. And my mother is very shy. My mother plays the piano, but she like is not in, into performance at all. Like she wouldn't even perform for us. Did it, was a shack big enough for a piano? Yeah, I don't. I was three. I imagine okay. there was a tiny upright when we were in Colorado. There was a little baby grand. Okay, all right. When we were there. 
Um, yeah, I'm not sure where that long line of perform. I mean, I have four. I grew up with four older siblings, and there was always like music in the house. My father, you know, like I said, played in kind of rock bands in Greeley, Colorado, before he had kids. Mm-hmm. And- All right. So, what music was being played around the house? Rock and roll. Ooh, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, you put five kids and two people right. that like music in the house. Oh, was, like and the dad, Streisand, Stravinsky, yeah. to okay. We had like Prez Hall recordings. We had Joan Baez. There was, you know, but and then like I listened to a lot of Pixies. Me and my brother listened to a lot of kind of punk and stuff when we were growing up. So you moved back to the Bay Area from Colorado. How old are you? Uh, 11. All right. And where do you go to school? You go to public school? You, you know, go to, are you, go are to you good being old. homeschooled by, in the shack? No, no, no. We, we moved to a house when we moved oh, back. Oh, you moved to a house. Oh, yeah. I went to good old Half Moon Bay High School, public, okay. public California schools. Thank you, Ronald Reagan, for ruining the public school system in California. But yes. And Proposition 13, too. (laughs) So were you playing music at that time? Or how did did you start playing music? Um, There's like public school band programs that start in sixth grade in in California. And you just start playing saxophone in the... the, Uh, I didn't play saxophone that much. I played flute and then oboe. I sort of just played whatever we had in the house. You know, it wasn't um, it wasn't like I picked the thing. It was like one of my sisters had a flute, so I played the flute, and then I played the oboe. Then the oboe got stolen, and then eventually I played the saxophone. I Who think steals started, started, an oboe? Who knows? Got stolen from a locker at a soccer tournament. Okay. Yeah, they were disappointed. Not a not like a really high street value for the oboe. Yeah, it's probably hard to move. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. Exactly. People don't even know what they have. Exactly. Well, well. So uh, then you wind up going to, to college at uh, at Oberlin. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm curious. How do you get to Oberlin? Because uh, it's a it's a very rarefied kind of conservatory. But I mean, were you were you playing music that seriously at that time? That 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 was someplace you had your heart set on? No, or? I wasn't. I actually Ober. So Oberlin is split into a conservatory and a college. Right. Uh, so I was actually got to Oberlin through the college. Um, and it was just, frankly, the place that gave me the most money. I applied to UC Berkeley and I have applied to Oberlin. I had really good grades. Um, and it was a place that I had said like, I like music. I'd never had private lessons though. So, you know, so, um, I got into the college and then I was sort of went over, walked over to the conservatory with like happy go lucky, not knowing anything. And I, went to the conservatory and I was like, I like music. Can I be here? And I took an audition and they were definitely like, you fucking idiot. No way. Like people that are here have been taking private lessons since they were like sperms. Sperms? Sperms? I? Sperms? Sure. Close enough. Not sure the Um, plural of sperm. But, uh, it's sperm. It's not spermi. You don't think it's spermy? Sperma. Sperma. It depends what the sperm is. Yeah, let, let, let's, let's not They're get just that. little creatures of love. That's what they are. <laughs> let's, you know. let's not get too caught up in this. Sex ed given by Manny Chevrolet. Right, right. 
so you're at Oberlin, but you, you feel like you're behind the, the curve uh, in, in your instrumental thing. So, so that kind of drives you into composition. I mean, you're, but you're interested enough to music that you're, you're pursuing some kind of music degree. Yeah, right? for sure. I, um, I just was sort of like, oh, I guess I'm not going to be a performer. I'm behind. So then I, you know, and also I was just like a, like a lot of liberal kids you're like interested in too many things so i was like whoa electronic music and sound installation and you know it was general humanities thing that i was interested in um and i and like i said like being around kids that have been trained at juilliard prep since they were three you get a little discouraged of like oh i guess i'm not going to be a performer um you know I, i did a lot of experimenting musically while i was there which i'm grateful for uh-huh. Do you feel like that was a good education for you? Yeah, I uh, would do it differently if I could. I ended up having it. I graduated with like a choose your own adventure degree, which I wouldn't mm-hmm. recommend. <laughs> and that was only because I got to my junior year and I met with like the advisor for the first time who looked at the classes I was taking and he was like, what are you doing? These don't add up to anything. And I was like, I don't know. I was just taking classes I liked. And so then we had to des- like backwards engineer. Uh, uh, it's called an individual degree, individual major. Those are popular nowadays, yeah. but uh, maybe at the time it was kind of a new thing. Yeah. So choosing your own adventure degree, wh- what is that like? Jumping out of a plane without a parachute or something? Or It's like where you're like, I want to do things that don't fit into these categories. And so you manufacture, a degree. like for instance, my, I think my degree is temp technically called contemporary music and arts, which didn't exist at the time. And it was just like me taking sculpture class and electronic music, some composition, some anthropology. Like I wouldn't do it again. Cause it didn't, you don't get good at anything. <laughs> you get a very broad exposure, you know what I mean? But you're not, you like leave not being specialized in anything. Right. But now looking at the career that you've had, just to move forward a little bit, it seems like actually a lot of that training you've you've put to use, you know, like you're in, involved in a lot of interdisciplinary kind of stuff. Yeah. It definitely, Is that kind of the seed of that? Yeah, it definitely fed my curiosity. But man, it's pain to be interested in so many things. Sure, sure. Now, now, so th- were you studying like a uh, music concrete uh, along with uh, you know all these these other the sound installation and stuff? Yeah, I mean, that- definitely. That was kind of like the the Oberlin introduction to electronic music. They they kind of started you with like music concrete. Tell the Troubled Nation about that a little bit. No one's ever spoken about that. Ooh, why not, Troubled Nation listeners? Come on, gotta get get with the program. Um. You know, uh, that's like taking found sound recordings and creating compositions out of kind of recorded found sounds. Uh, manipulating them, adding to them. Yeah. And, uh, right. Using yeah. them as a basis for, for uh, you know, further composition. Right. Exactly. Very cool. So isn't that sampling? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like some origins of sampling and like all the stuff that we're hearing with podcasts now are just like. Right, yeah. right. That, that's, that's, that's some of the, the first, because then that goes back to, you know, what, 40s, 50s, maybe even before then. Yeah, huh? yeah. I think the, the invention of tape recorders. Yes, Morton Sabotnik, all those guys. 
all those French guys, you know, there's a huge scene in France for all that stuff. Right. And then, so, so you, you leave Oberlin and, and you go and study uh, at the school of physical theater in Paris. Now, what, what drove you to that? Tell us about that school and what you studied there. Um, I studied, well, for, I, for, I stayed in Oberlin for, I started in Ohio for an extra year to save up money so that I could move to France. And, uh, yeah, I went to the Ecole Internationale de Jacques Lecoq. Do theatre physical, and uh, I don't. I went there because people that I artists that some artists that I had admired had gone there, like Julie Taymor was great, like um, puppeteer, film director, perhaps a narcissist, but a great artist. Artist. Uh, she, she's like most famous for having designed the Lion King Broadway stuff, but like. Her stuff before that is really, really. Sam Kinison went there, I thought too. Who's that? Sam Kinison, the '80s comedian. I think he went. Could there. be, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like uh, in the, oh. it's like known in the fringe theater movement scene. Like a lot of innovators, Jeffrey Rush went there, but like a lot of kind of weirdo innovators had gone through this training that was, um, yeah. It was like a experimental theater training and it was cool. I didn't love it, but, um, I learned it. I, I it's a two year program and I was just going to go for the first year. And then I only stayed for two trimesters and then I dropped out and toured with a, like a, a French soccer team as a ringer. Um, <laughs> really? Um, yeah. And that's when so I. So you're a soccer player too. I was as a young human. As a young huh. human. And where did you, you start playing soccer in high school? Uh, I mean, I started. If you live in California, you, I started when I was like four or five. But I played in high school and I played some in college. Oh wow! No kidding. Cool. Um, but the Lecoq School, yeah, you, it's. I learned a lot. Of, that I didn't know that I learned. Like years later, I was like, oh, that's a Lecoq training, you know? Right. Now, were you still playing music all this time and practicing and stuff and applying yourself, or was that kind of on the sidelines? No, no, I wasn't hardly playing any music. And I, I wasn't playing a whole lot of music even before then, you know? I was doing a lot of kind of experimenting. Um, hmm. I'd played in like a noise band in college, but. Um, yeah. You're experimenting with drugs? Probably. No, I didn't do that many drugs in. You know, you know what brought drugs into my life? New Orleans, Louisiana. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do that many drugs at college. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, you're, you're better off, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and are you still doing drugs in New Orleans? I th probably I'm doing them right now. Aren't they like yeah. intravenously pumped through these earplugs, earphones that I have on? Sure, sure. Thought that sure. was part of the podcast. <laughs> you'll, you'll feel like you were. Drugged I do feel like right, drugged. right, right, right. Drugged by Zoom or drugged by Zencaster. Uh, there you go. Drugged by the listeners. That's right. Yes, yes. 
Well, so uh, so you you finish with that program. You come back to the U.S. Uh, you're you're still not not the the serious musician. What, what where do you go from there, uh, Aurora? Uh, uh, I left Paris. I went and taught at this school for young composers in New Hampshire. Then I met a friend in San Francisco, and I biked across the country to St. Louis, and then I took a train down to New Orleans where my little Honda Civic with everything that I owned uh, was waiting for me. And I moved to New Orleans in 2004, the fall of 2004. So I read about the the bike trip and and you were doing uh, interviews or something along the way, yeah. kind of some audio interviews. But I was thinking, it was like, uh, did you ever do any train hopping? Because you you you, you have kind of a, a 1930s Bonnie and Clyde vibe to you. you know? <laughs> I could see you like riding the rails. Um, I did after I moved to New Orleans. I didn't before then. Uh, I did a little bit of you know. There's a whole culture of gutter punk crusties. So I. I hopped a train from Press Street and rode out to Pensacola. That's a nice ride. Okay, um, you dabbled in that culture yeah, a little bit. Yeah, You're just, uh, just a yeah. just a tourist. And like a um, on the west coast near Olympia, Washington, there's some trains you can hop. So I, you know, did a little bit. I never like hopped trains all around the country. I would say. Right. Well, that's good. It really, it's uh, it's 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 really a hard life. It wears <laughs> you down. That ride from Press Street to Pensacola is kind of nice. Yeah, no, that seems lovely, yeah. you know, yeah. sure. <laughs> well, uh, Manny, I'm, I'm looking at the clock, and uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's time, I guess. Yeah, tell, tell the nation. It's been a great show. and No, uh, <laughs> no it's not that time yet. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it's time, Aurora, um, that we take a break and refill our glasses with libations. And the troubled people... They know what to do. So we'll be right back. Trash, compact, let's replay all the facts. A heart, a gun, a high down low, a hit and run. Crash, newsflash, now I'm the latest catch. What's found is free. A lock, the light, a clock, the key. Now smash, contact, the shot heard round the back. What's said, been said, that love you gave. Oh fuck, it's dead. Trapped, a the fire you can catch Light up, look round Those words you said can't hold their ground These flames you said will turn you down You can't escape your kingdom crown Your kingdom come will burn you down Now, now, now Punchline I'm And we're back, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman, back with our guest, Ms. Aurora Nealand. Now, Aurora, this is the part of the show where we uh, we 
beseech the troubled nation to uh, support the podcast. Uh, we no longer have a uh, any kind of outside sponsor, so we're back to our original sponsor, which is Loose Change. Ooh. Tell them where we find Loose Change, Manny. Uh, well, you find Loose Change. Usually the homeless have a lot of Loose Change. Sure. So we can ask them for a support. Uh, you can find loose change in between your uh, couch pillows, or right. maybe uh, people just have jars of loose change sitting around mm-hmm. their house. In fact, I remember when uh, uh, my mom passed away, I went to her house to see if she had any money between the mattresses left over. But <laughs> I did find an ashtray full of quarters. Okay, and uh, I I gave that change to the homeless people because I think my mom would have liked that. All right, well, that's a, a, a touching so, tribute. Yeah, so um, there's loose change out there to be had. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, so troubled nation, you know, uh, uh, locate that loose change, and uh, we do have the uh, the PayPal link and now the Venmo link that you can uh, uh, funnel that loose change into uh, the Troubled Men podcast to support our further uh, humanitarian work and these fantastic guests we're having week in and week out. We also have the Patreon page you can join, uh, and then you can just, you don't even have to think about it. Well, look at you guys moving into the 22nd century. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and we still have the uh, Troubled Men podcast t-shirts, which uh, one more person bought one, so they're still available on demand. You know, that's the links for all this stuff are in the show notes of every show and the, uh, the Facebook page and uh, all over the place. You can find it. And uh, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate us, uh, give us five stars. You can even say, uh, fuck Manny and Renee, five stars. We like that. <laughs> that's cool. That's, that's, that's totally fine. And, uh, you know, tell your friends, you know, share, share the, uh, the Troublement podcast with, with uh, your friends and your enemies. Back to you, Aurora. So, uh, so we, we were talking about all of your training now you're you're in new orleans you're ready to to put this training into use and you start playing i guess you get serious about playing because you at some point you become a fantastic saxophone player and clarinet clarinetist and uh and accordion player so tell us about those first few years leading up to uh the the foundation of the royal roses um Man, people ask you about your life, and then you're like, Am I, is this supposed to be a clean story? I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, no, we like to keep it dirty, <laughs> well, wait, wait a minute. You said you first came down here in 2004, correct? Yeah, correct. All right, so 2005, Katrina hits. Are you here? Uh, I, I had moved here, but I was gone for the summer, so I was actually driving back to New Orleans from – I was up in New Hampshire teaching for the summer, so I was like en route back to New Orleans – and then Katrina when hit. Katrina hit, and so I was just like, oh, I'll just turn left here. And I went and stayed in Baltimore for uh, like four months, pretty much. I came back January 4th. Baltimore is a good Earth. town. I like Baltimore. It's yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's a fine town. I like it, kind too. Of like New Orleans, yeah. Yeah, it's confused about whether it's in the north or the south, and it's like 
port city, kind of trashy. Yeah, part know. East Coast, part Southern. It's like between DC and New York, so it has no pretensions that it's hot shit, you know, because it's just like, oh, I don't know, I'm surrounded by these other places. No, I didn't get that at all about Baltimore, but I, okay, so let's it's move cool. on. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, so you're in New Orleans uh, and you're getting serious about playing music and you play in all these groups, you know, like your own group. And then, uh, you know, you play with uh, the Panorama Jazz Band. You're, uh, you play all these different instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're a very dedicated performer and, 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 uh, you know, just a, a dedicated composer. I'm, uh, I, I want to jump around a lot here. I'm, I, I feel compelled to, you know, sure. it's like, well, for instance, today you were at Tulane all day long uh, doing something very studious. What were you doing at Tulane? Well, I um, am technically a graduate student at Tulane right now, although I'm okay. not doing a great job because I'm too busy with other things. Um, but I was up there, went to a lecture. This is, you're studying composition or something? Yeah, it's a composition um, program that, one of your probably most troubled men friends, Jonathan Freilich, is in it also. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I've, I've spoken to him about the program. Okay, yes. all right. The more, more um, continuing education. Yes. Well, well. so right before this, uh, you were in Montreal working on some kind of big new project. Uh, what was that about? Yeah, it's like a medium-sized new project. It's a, it's a collaboration that John Hollenbeck, who's like a fucking fantastic, drummer, composer, uh, put together with myself and these two other women, Anna Weber, uh, who's a saxophonist, and Chiquita Magic, who's a Colombian-Canadian songwriter, synthesizer player. Um, Chiquita Magic? Yeah. Sounds like a stripper name, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, everything <laughs> sounds like, But, Manny, doesn't everything sound like a stripper name, if yeah, we ask man. you? Yeah, I was at Tulane all day, too, today. I didn't see you. Hey, wait a minute. I didn't see you either. You got one of us has got to be lying. No, I work <laughs> at Tulane five days a week, 40 hours a week. I what, work. There. What are you doing there? It's a big campus. Yeah, I'm on the big campus, man. Oh. <laughs> I'm dealing with all those fucking spoiled brats, is what I deal with. <laughs> I was on floor two of the library. Did you maybe you recognize me yeah. from floor two? No, I, in the I'm comic not, book I, section. No, <laughs> no, I, I was in the adult uh, section. The adult I section. Know. No, I don't. I don't yeah. mess with that stuff, Manny. That's Do you know the basement? The, the basement of the, you were at the Tilton Library. I was at the titillating library. Yeah. Yes. Apparently, back in the seventies and eighties, the basement bathrooms at the Tilton Library were were used for gay sex. This is what oh. I've been told. This is what I've been told. It's, yeah, it's the of knowledge. You know, why yeah. wouldn't you use it for any kind of sex? Right, yeah. right. Most bathrooms qualify for that. Yeah. I, I yeah. Think, Our you know. former guest, Jeff Treffinger, told me about that. Okay. And I don't know if he would know, but I guess he knew. Yeah, yeah well, you know. I mean, so, you could yeah. probably, Com- knowing Jeff, knowledge. you could probably just tell from like the design and the structure. You know, right, a great yeah. builder. You got a got a feel for it. Yeah, there you go. Right, there you wow. go. I'm sorry I missed you. I'm sorry I missed you too. Next time I'll see you there on floor two. Uh, well, I'm in. I don't go to the library. I, I were. I'm in the LBC. I'm in the LBC, which is the student center. That's where the, I. Um, that's where. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Which go is there. right. Is just across the street from the library. That's where they have uh, the soft serve machine. 
Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. This is how <laughs> this is how I know where things are at. Uh, landmark. There yeah. We go. Okay. Well, let's get back to your uh, your your uh, you know developing your prowess as an instrumentalist here and all your establishing all these bands. How does that go down? Um, you know, uh, it doesn't sound well by your pause. By you pausing, yeah. it doesn't sound well. The crooked path. <laughs> I took some steroids and I practiced <laughs> through the night. Uh, I don't, you know, I mean, New Orleans, it's a, it's a wonderful place to, to learn. It's a wonderful and horrible place to learn music. No, it's a, it's a pretty wonderful place to like learn by doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like got here and I had, I had liked, you know, I had seen like preservation hall jazz band, for instance, when I was a kid, they used to tour to San Francisco in the summers and play in this like famous in San Francisco pre concert series called Stern Grove. And so I had seen them probably like four or five times and was, we had some of their records. So I really liked that early New Orleans music already before moving here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to like see it live when I first came to town, I was like, this is cool. I like this. So I started playing in the street on Royal street. Um, I would go listen to the jazz vipers or what the original jazz vipers were now mostly the Cottonmouth Kings. Um, I'll go listen to them every week. I'll go listen to a bunch of different bands. I started just sitting in with people. Uh, <laughs> and then at this time you're playing uh, mostly saxophone. Yeah, that time it was mostly saxophone and clarinet. Um, well, no, no, mostly saxophone. Mostly saxophone. I had an accordion uh, that I was. I actually had an accordion before I moved to New Orleans. That I was using for a lot of like kind of drone experimental composition stuff. So you're you're already doing that kind of thing. This this uh, this you know non-traditional uh, composition the, the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely interested uh, coming out of Oberlin. I had played in like noise noise bands and you know had like listened to punk music as a younger person and. Then I had. And which punk are you listening? What, what's your favorite punk? It was a lot of like Pixies. It was a lot. Of, it was, I was like, I listened to things that my brother had. Basically, my brother was two and a half years older than me. So. But you guys are way younger than me and Manny. So it wasn't <laughs> like the New York Dolls or uh, or that that kind of stuff or the Ramones. I never was, considered uh, the Pixie. I never considered the Pixies punk. To, to that's be funny. I never you. considered the Ramones punk. I'm always like, oh, they're really? Punk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I like the you know, Joey was so obsessed with uh, with uh, vocal groups, and it's very doo-wop based. But uh, yeah, that was they were definitely, uh, they were know, definitely part punk. of the, the yeah, first I guess wave. Like yeah, Pixies. There were some Sex Pistols. I mean, really, the Pixies were the biggest thing that I remember listening to. Okay. Um, There's some Sex Pistols. Right. But I don't know. Yeah, the, all that's the the kind of I I taught at this school for young composers out of right out of college. That was pretty open-minded in what like its definition it's called the walden school it's up in new hampshire and it's just a a summer program it's Mm -hmm. it's just a summer thing and and that was pretty open-minded in like its ideas about composition and sound um so i was sort of already 
doing some of that stuff and interested in that stuff from coming out of Oberlin. Right. So, so you're getting in, in New Orleans, you're getting into uh, traditional jazz, or you're also linking up with people, uh, you know, doing this, this kind of uh, outside composition stuff initially. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. I mean, you, you, you know, New Orleans has like a really nice combination of, of an improvising music scene creative music improvising music scene and and kind of traditional stuff so you have a lot of people doing a bunch of different things yeah. uh, depending on what day and what grouping it is you could have the same bunch of people playing in a totally different bag yeah right i mean sound is sound you know like you just organize it differently in time and theoretically if you're not an asshole <laughs> then you can make some different things you know even if you are an asshole, you you can also make some different things. Yeah, but yeah, it's hard to say, play with like, assholes, you know. Well, yeah, 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 but you know, you can always start your own band. Yeah, right. <laughs> but don't you think a lot of sound is just noise? Yeah, but I also think a lot of noise is music. So there you go. You know, there you go. It's in the eye of the beholder. It's just how you frame it. Yeah, it's in the ear of the eye of the beholder. There you go. Well, so so you're playing in all those groups, but you decide to start your own group because uh, you you have uh, you have ambition. You want to be a leader, you, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know that I wanted to be a leader. I just wanted to like do some things on my own terms, um, and that was the only way to do it. And you know, be able to like make choices about repertoire and and frankly, I had some like pretty shitty times with some young men my own age uh, and so i mean there's a there yeah there's a whole generation of women my age that like we all came from a similar place of like trying to play in this one origin band that played on the street and like it's strangely that there was a street band that was called the loose marbles and from that band out of that band came like me becoming a band leader for Royal Roses, Mashia becoming a band leader for her own band, Tuba Skinny becoming uh, its own band, which which I mentioned those three bands because they all play in a similar style. Tuba Skinny is led by Shay Cohn, great trumpeter. Um, mm. So I think it was like a lot of us wanting to be like, oh, I want some control and some sway over what I'm doing. A lot of these street bands were male-dominated. Is that what you're saying? Though I'm saying that the one that that came in my generation. Yeah, certainly. So there was still sexism going on. Uh, shocking. Shocking, shocking to no one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Manny. Is that shocking, Manny? No. I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I really don't care for music. So, uh, yeah. Smart. You're smart. This, and this yeah. is why you're going you're gonna to die old and happy. Uh, Thank that, you. That could be Longevity, tomorrow. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so you're, you're starting your own band, uh, but one band isn't enough to contain you. I mean, well, the Royal Roses is, is pretty successful right off the bat, right? I mean, you, you, your first record, that first live record is, uh, gets a bunch of acclaim, right? That's, that was, must've been quite gratifying. I think, yeah, I think so. I mean, that was our first gig was, uh, the Royal Roses was designed for that gig, which was a tribute to Sidney Bechet at Preservation Hall. Mm -hmm. that I had approached the hall about like wanting to do something. And then I put put together a band to do it. And that became the Royal Roses. And that became that first album. And that's how you get recognized by Downbeat Magazine, right? That, I, that yeah, I guess so. 
that had to be a shot in the arm. Huh? I mean, that, that's that's uh, not everybody that that gets that kind of uh, designation. Do do you want the diplomatic answer or the real answer? The real answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't care very much for. I don't think it's people. Yes, I don't care very much for people. No, I care for people. I don't think that a lot of music journalism is accurate. So it's it's was kind. It was very kind. I don't think it was like very accurate. Okay, it didn't didn't feel of great import to you. Didn't but, feel of uh, great import. You, you would take it. Yeah, sure. You didn't. Yeah. You didn't turn it. But down. isn't all press good press, even if it's bad? <laughs> I mean, that's the way I look at it. Bad press or good press, it's all good. It's all pressing. Yeah. 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 You know, you're in the news. That's what. The, that's all that matters. Yeah. No, I'm. I. You know, you're keeping your 15 minutes alive. <laughs> you know. There you go. Yes. That's what it comes down to. So. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't. I, I. You know, all reviews are reviews, good or bad. Who cares? There you go. Yeah. Well, so so you have the the Royal Roses. Uh, then you start uh, the mon the monocle. Now, what 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 was the impetus behind that? Um. Jeez, asking the hard question. That was a long time ago. Uh, I was writing some songs, some sad songs about. Feeling. And you were drinking heavily. Woo! Drinking that milk heavily. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> still trying to fix that tooth. Yeah. That's right. Still trying to fix that tooth, man. My mom said that calcium's going to go straight in the hole and fill it up. The only way that tooth is going to be fixed is if you're drinking the milk right out of the udder. That's okay. The only way. <laughs> that's a pro tip. Yeah, yeah. That's the only way that tooth's going to get fixed. That's Manny Chevrolet's pro tips. Okay. D- drinking out of the carton ain't going to help. Tell your <laughs> tell your mom that. I'll tell my mom. I'll tell her. Yeah. Mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then the monocles started. Uh, I wanted to have something that I didn't have to hire other people to do. I think was a piece of it. Just like. As we all know, it's pain in the ass to organize other humans because they're human and flawed, or especially in this their town. schedules are flawed. More accurate. People are the worst. Yes, people oh, are the worst, the worst. Uh, obviously. But but th- doesn't the monocle give you um, more opportunity to to bring some of these interdisciplinary, uh, you know, this training into the practice? Yeah, for sure. I think the evolution of the monocle. It started as a solo project of sad songs about feelings and furniture. And then it developed into a larger project with like an eight-piece band, still with sad songs about feelings and furniture. And then out of that, I got to do, I worked, did some large collaborations with choreographers and dancers, particularly this woman, Shannon Stewart, is a great choreographer in town, to do interdisciplinary work about feelings and furniture. And then out of that, I did a big show at the Contemporary Arts Center um, that was not with dancers, but was with a theater company. And but still about feelings and furniture. Obviously, feelings, furniture, and bureaucracy. I think that. So there was dancing about furniture. T- yes, yes, dancing about furniture, and so what's that quote? What is, isn't there a quote about like dancing about life is like poetry about dairy products or something? Talking about music yes. is like. That one, Renee, you got it. Yes. There yeah, was yeah. Uh, dance pieces about the lazy boy chair. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I want to make that happen. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, or the a dance piece about the TV dinner tray. I don't get it. Yeah, those TV trays. I do have a piece that's called the chair. 
Um, so that's a piece of it. And it, it says, between you and I, there sits a chair. I did not make it, nor did you. Is it plugged in, that chair? It's not plugged in, but maybe the next version it will be. That's a good yeah. idea. Okay, there you massage go. Massage chair. Yeah, right. massage or, chair. Or an electric chair. There you go. I, <laughs> See? I get it, Manny. See, there's you a lot of get it, things. Manny? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I, I'm, I'm slow on the uptake sometimes, Manny. You know that. Um, well, uh, you know, the first thing I wrote down in preparation for this, uh, Aurora, was... I saw this movie a couple of weeks ago. It's called Before I Go. It's with Annabella Sciorra, who I, who I was a big fan of okay. back when she was uh, you know, earlier in her career. When she was hot? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, still, I still have a soft spot for her. She's an you know, older, middle-aged woman now. But so I'm watching this movie, and they go into a coffee shop, and there's a mural on the wall. And I swear to God, it's a, paint, a painting of you. Wow. Do, do you know about this? No. I don't know this film before I go. Uh, but you don't know about a coffee shop in, in New York that has a, a mural of, of musicians playing where you're playing soprano saxophone? No. It's a mural? It's a mural on the wall, and, and I'm looking at it. It's like, that's got to be of Aurora. Whoa. It's, uh, I mean, it looks exactly like you playing soprano saxophone. Wow. I would be honored. I mean, I know that there's a photo, a large photo, photo that is in symphony space i think in new york but i've seen this movie and i've seen that mural and there's a it, 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 jerry seinfeld's playing the piano in that <laughs> mural, mm, uh, i don't think so but uh but but uh you did see that movie okay yeah, interesting I, I didn't think anybody ever seen that movie besides me i would i i because you were masturbating to Annabella? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I could barely get through the whole movie. Actually, it was uh, it was it was a bit of a chore. But uh, you know, I, I gave it the old college try, Manny. I'm still stuck on Jerry Seinfeld's career as a concert pianist. No one knew. You <laughs> <laughs> need to tell us. He's got a lot of free time on his hands. Yeah, I guess now, so. You know? he, he, he retired with a with a. Uh, they backed up the Brinks truck there. Yeah. He really did a lot for slap bass, I got to say, that guy. Okay, sure. Right? <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld, sure. Isn't that, that whole soundtrack to Seinfeld is just slap bassism? Well, right? he, also, he also majored in the triangle in college. Whew. I mean, that's a serious job here in southeastern Louisiana, right? The triangle? The triangle? Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, T-Fair? Or the death triangle. <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle, the death triangle. The New Orleans Death Triangle. Yeah. What is that? Okay, I got, I got this. The New Orleans Death Triangle. That's iguanas. No, no, I think Clasper it's all stars. Uh, and <laughs> what's the other piece of that Death Triangle? No, no, he's talking about this uh, geographic man. It must be right. It's, uh, it has something to do with the dye water or something. Or who knows? <laughs> who knows? The uh, the oh. homicide of Saint Claude. Um, if that's what you want, Renee, sure. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> just, just, just spitballing, Manny. Well, well, uh, uh, Aurora. So, so you have all these projects going on. Well, we, 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 we didn't even mention uh, 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 Rory Danger and the Danger Dangers, which uh, is is a, an act you're somewhat affiliated with. I'm not sure how 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 much uh, direct uh, knowledge you claim of that, but. Uh, but that had the great Spencer Bourne in it, and it has a, uh, it's, it's a group uh, originally played at uh, Chaz Fest, I guess, was kind of the, the genesis of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. 
I myself have never seen the group, but I um, I have heard that you know they're I've heard that they're pretty awesome, and uh, someday I would like to re- meet meet Rory Danger one of these days. Okay, well maybe we can get her on the podcast and uh, and and we can uh, hook you guys up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they uh, only do group group interviews, is what I've heard. But man, they it's amazing that they all talk in unison. So. Okay, well, I've been wanting to get that Bill Malchow guy on on here for a while. Oh and, uh, yeah, he's, okay. he's a bit grumpy, so he <laughs> might he might be better in in a group setting, anyhow. You know. <laughs> yeah, that guy would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be fun. Um. So so uh, you have all this stuff going on, and and you know what what do you have going forward here? You have uh, festivals. I see your 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 dates. You have. Uh, uh, Different festivals. You have the, the the Big Ears festivals coming up. What else? Yeah, um, yeah. There's stuff coming up. I'm really trying to figure out how to do less in life. Um, You're failing at that. I am failing. I am failing through the summer, but then maybe I will do. You know, I've been thinking a lot about just wanting to do less, but more intentionally focus on a couple things at a time. Because here in New Orleans, we tend to like juggle so many things all the time. But so uh, right now I'm juggling, right? Yeah, we, we all have Carnival coming up, which is exciting. So Panorama Brass Band is going to be doing a bunch of stuff, which I love. It's a group that I love. And, you know. Yes, we love those guys. Like, had uh, Ben Shank on, yeah. talked a lot about the, the whole history of uh, Panorama. Well, that's got to be a fun band to play in, yeah. play all this different kinds of music. Everybody's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the brass band is like a special edition of Panorama in the carnival season and um, a bunch of the, the, then I go to New York right after, day after carnival to do this project with these like Django guitarists, French guitarist guys. Mm-hmm. And then I come back to New Orleans and then I'm, yeah, I'm going to Knoxville for a, a while for this Big Ears Festival where I'm doing an outreach program with the Knoxville youth and then playing with the Royal Roses at a festival and, and with this new project from these folks from Montreal. And, and you're playing a a accordion or, or a saxophone, a soprano with the, with the, uh, the, the Django guitarists. That, yeah, I played soprano and do some voice stuff. Voice okay. stuff. What's that called? Singing. I think it's. I think what they sure. call it is singing. Voice could stuff. be. Could could be singing. <laughs> you know, yeah. voice stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then they come back to New Orleans, and there's, you know, festival. Seems like festivals are happening in 2022, the year of the redo, or yes. whatever. Well, they have to have it. The city needs it, and our oh, yeah. go broke. They have oh, to yeah. have yeah. Mardi Gras. They have to have these festivals. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many people die; they're going to have to have these festivals and stuff. Yeah, we got to get back to got to get back to living our lives. You know, yeah, people are going to die reg- regardless. So, uh, you know, yeah. Well, you know, uh, um, I just want to say, you know, to all you musicians out there, I hope you're safe. You know, because yeah. a lot of you guys going to die. You know? Uh, you know, as I say, we're we're going to die whether we play or not. So, uh, may as well be playing. Yeah. Trying to, I think, I think we're trying to find a balance is probably the thing. Although New Orleans is, we're not really known for balance finding, but could happen, you know, a balance yeah. between like safety and figuring out our lives. 
Karen on whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's our only it's our only uh, our option. You know, yeah. it's, uh, we 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 can't do this forever. You know, we can't shut down. I I, I played uh, so this week. This was like Tale of Two Cities. This week I played a, a totally filled gig with the iguanas at chicky wawa cool at the at the same time as i had two other gigs canceled uh because someone in the band had COVID. oh wow wow and both of both of those things happened in the same week and at this point they both made sense yeah to me. <laughs> yeah totally yeah i've, I've played a couple gigs at spotted cat recently where I'm, i like got I was out of town for all of January and I got back in, you know, like January and I leaned over. I was like, isn't there a mask mandate? And my friend was like, yeah, there is. And I was like, I see no one with a mask. Right. Yeah. But you were okay. But yeah. You're also just like, we all know the math. Like it's a little bit of a theater piece. Like people wear their masks, but then they take them off. They're drinking and they're eating and they're talking. It's like, you know, breathing on. you. Yeah. Yeah, so. Well, the South is used to wearing masks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ouch! Deep cuts, deep cuts, yeah. and it is carnival season. You yes. played a chick. It was an eight o'clock show, Renee. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, is that because your crowd has to be in bed by ten? <laughs> you do an eight o'clock show. Well, you know, it's it's it was a, a Saturday night, so they get to stay up till eleven thirty. But uh, you know, we wanted to give them time to get home. They handed uh, out the pens at the door. Don't worry about it. Man. <laughs> yeah, well, they they brought their own. Yeah. Uh, no, okay. it's look, look. I I don't know any musicians that want to go back to eleven thirty starts. Frankly, yeah. I think, I'm with, uh, yeah, no. Everybody loves the 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 eight nine o'clock well, starts. because for, you're old. I mean, there's tons of musicians <laughs> who don't want to play don't want to play until eleven thirty. Because what what what's the point? You know what what is does the music sound better at eleven thirty? Well, really. no, the younger kids, you know, the younger people want to stay out later. They want to hear the music later. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, don't you? I mean, I mean, I'm sure back in the eighties, you used to play eleven thirty shows, right? Well, you play when they hire you to play. So I would have been happy <laughs> to play a, a le- eight o'clock shows if that's when they were uh, that's when they were booking. You know. I mean, the party line is like later shows you you are more drunk, so the crowd yeah. is more drunk, so you sound better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and you make more money. No, more that doesn't tips. mean you actually sound better. It just means that people think you sound better. Clubs like it because they can uh, drag it out and sell drinks for longer. But uh, you know, it's it doesn't have to be that way. You can uh, it's can can rethink this business model. You know, we don't have to be agreed uh, out. You know, playing till three o'clock in the morning. Agreed. Because when then we have to come home and make our sourdough bread. You know, we have to do all the things we learned how to do in the pandemic. Okay, there you go. All right. Well, I'm glad we got to some agreement here by the end <laughs> of the, the podcast. Well, uh, Aurora, this is exciting. I can't wait to see you out with all these uh, these experimental groups and straight ahead groups and uh, vocal groups and you know it's it's uh, you're multifaceted and and always a thrill to see you. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm glad we got to, to finally get this together. Yeah, I'm very honored to, to be able to be, be a troubled man. Well, you're not a troubled man. We, we are the troubled men. I want to be a troubled man. man. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. An honorary. I want to be an honorary troubled man. She's a listener, Renee, right? Sure. And she can be a troubled man honorary. as she, as she okay. wishes. Oh, okay. yes. We'll, we'll get you a T-shirt. Okay. Great. All right. Well, uh, Manny, uh, what do we say? Uh, trouble uh, never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night.
Good night. Good night. Thanks, y'all.
Peace.